Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Good morning, Movement Church. How you doing this morning? Everybody good? Yes, you are here for the 1130 service, and it's going to be good. I'm really excited. Um, for those of you I do not know, my name is Megan. My husband, Carrie, and I are some of the pastors here at the Movement Church, and um, he wanted me to tell you people have been looking for him on the front row today, and he is not there, but that is because he is service producing in the back. Let's give it up for Pastor Carrie. He is training some of our service producers today, and um, hey, maybe you're looking for a team to be a part of, and the production team might be a great team for you. If you like making things work, the production team makes every Sunday morning service happen. They've got the words on the screen so that you know what to sing when you're singing. They, they make the lights work and, and the sound and, and just so many different details. We wouldn't be here without them, and so maybe you're looking for a team to jump into. That might be a great one for you. But I have the privilege today to conclude our series called Faith. We've been in the middle of a four-week series called Faith. And as a church, we've been doing what we call 21 Days of Faith. And so we've been gathering corporately to pray for the past 21 days at 6 in the morning, most days of the week. Some of you have been there. And we've just been praying with an expectation for God to stir up our faith this year, believing big things for our lives personally, but also as a church. And so we are concluding 21 Days of Faith tonight in this room at 5 p.m. with our movement night. And I'm so excited because if you haven't been to a movement night before, you're missing out. This is what we call at the Movement Church our secret sauce. And you need to experience it. And I just want to challenge you, if you're tired of the mundane and you're ready to experience the miraculous, if you really have a desire to know more of who God is, you need to be in the room tonight at 5 p.m. for movement nights. It's really going to be good. I'm really expectant for it. But I'm diving in to finish this series called Faith. And this whole series has been based off of a scripture found in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 1. And it says this, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Now, what I need you to know is that every single person in this room has some measure of faith. If you're sitting in this room right now, you have some measure of faith. Just sitting down in the chair that you are in today required faith that it was going to hold you up. And maybe you're here and you're wrestling with what you believe. I'd just like to say at the Movement Church, permission to belong before you believe. But I want to remind you that every single one of us has a measure of faith. It's just what we have faith in that matters. So as we read this scripture in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, and it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. I think oftentimes we hear faith is what we're hoping for. Faith is what we're hoping for, not who we are hoping in. And the message I feel like God challenged me to bring to you today would be this. Faith in God, not faith in my outcome. Faith in God, 
not faith in my outcome. Can I pray for us? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Jesus, I just come before you right now, and I thank you for every person who showed up at church today. God, I thank you for every person who's listening online. God, I thank you that you desire to speak to us. So God, I pray that every single one of us would have open ears and open hearts to the word that you have for us. God, that when we leave here today, that we wouldn't leave the same. God, I pray you would increase our faith. God, I pray you would fill each and every person in this room with hope that could only be found in you. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. You know, the idea of faith itself has actually been a real journey for me. Um, just coming to a conclusion on what faith is, what it looks like. And as I've been studying the word faith, you find it over and over again in the Old Testament and the New Testament of the Bible. You see this word faith. In the New Testament, often the meaning of the word faith is this, it's believe, to believe. But then throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, we also see this meaning, steadfast, proven to be firm, reliable, trustworthy. And the Bible uses the word faith as the root word for faithful. And all throughout scripture, we find them referring to God as faithful, steadfast, reliable, trustworthy. But also we see this word in reference to the men and women of faith, a faithful witness, a faithful friend, someone who is steadfast, reliable, trustworthy. And what this reminds me about faith is that faith is action taken on our belief. Faith is action taken on our belief. So I just want to challenge you today, church, if you want to choose to have faith, you're going to have to choose to believe and choose to act. If you're taking notes, and you should take notes in church, you should write this down. If you want to have faith, you're going to choose to believe and choose to act. When we continue on in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says this, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must what? Believe. Let's try that again. Whoever would draw near to God must believe, believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. We must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So this is choosing to believe and choosing to act. Those who seek him. It doesn't say those who find him. It doesn't say those who have it all figured out, does it? No, it says those who seek him, those who pursue him, who daily desire, God, what do you want from me? Walking in daily obedience, walking in daily trust. So if you want to stir up your faith, you've got to choose to believe and choose to act. But I think the problem is that most of us associate our belief in God with our belief for an outcome. I'm going to say that again. I think most of us associate our faith in God in a belief for an outcome. See, faith fundamentally is not about what is hoped for. It's about who we hope in. It's about who we hope in. And when our faith is based on an outcome, it will be challenged. So you might be able to be in this room and say, I have faith in God. But I would ask you this, is your faith in God conditional to getting what you want? 
When I was 24 years old, uh, I found out I was pregnant with my first child. And I'd gotten married at the age of 21. I lived in the South. They get them married young there, okay? So Pastor Carrie and I, we got married really young. And I had a five-year plan for having children. And two and a half years in, I found out I was pregnant. And I was freaking out, like really freaking out, hyperventilating. And my poor husband, my first response when I found out I was pregnant was, I want my mom. <laughs> and he was like, well, wait a second. I, I'm here. And I was like, I know, but I want my mom. And I remember we told my parents that day that I was pregnant. And it was a surprise. And it was not part of the plan. And I remember my dad in that moment just really calmly, as he always did, saying, Megan, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. What my dad didn't know is that those words would really be challenged that year. It's going to be okay. About a month before I was going to give birth to my first daughter, Brooklyn, my dad was diagnosed with a really rare form of cancer called epithelia langiosarcoma. He was one of 30 in the entire world who had had it and the only one who had it in the location where it was, in the right chest cavity. And in that moment, felt overwhelming, didn't feel okay. My dad was uh, not a perfect man. He had faults, but he was a good man. He was a pastor. He was a, a counselor. He was a friend. And here's the thing. I had been a Christ follower my whole life. I was raised in the church. My story might look a little bit different than yours, but it, it's just my story. And, and childlike faith has always come kind of easy for me. I'm not a skeptic. There might be some of you in this room and you're like, I'm the skeptic. I didn't get a bone like that in my body. Childlike faith has come easy for me. And so I believe what the Bible says, and I believe that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I believe that the God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, he could heal my dad because I read stories about it in the Bible, and I know that those stories are the same today as they were yesterday. And so we began this three-year journey of prayer, of belief, of trusting God, of praying for a supernatural miracle. We had people around the world that were praying with us, churches around the world praying with us for my dad and believing for healing. I felt like God whispered a couple promises into my heart during that time. One of the promises was simply this, that my daughter, Brooklyn, who I was about to give birth to, that she would be a source of healing for my dad. And in my own mind, and in my own way, I decided what God meant by that. So I decided that God meant that when my dad held Brooklyn in his arms, that he would be healed. I made a decision based upon a promise of what I thought that that meant. I also felt like God whispered a promise into my heart that one day that we would declare this story and the miraculous power of God around the world. On February 23rd, 2007, after two weeks of my dad being on life support in the ICU, we had to make a decision to take him off of life support. And he went home to be with Jesus. And in that moment, my faith was shaken. I was a pastor. And I thought, how, how could I ever pray for someone again? 
We got on a plane to fly home to Phoenix where we were going to church the next day. And, and my pastor asked the very next day for the whole staff to come up and pray for people who needed healing. And I thought, God, I can't pray for anyone who needs healing. I just prayed for my dad for three and a half years and I didn't see you do this. I must not have enough faith. You see, I felt like how could I hope for so many of the promises of God listed in his word? How could I continue to do this because maybe it just was me, maybe I, I didn't have enough faith. You see, I never got to a place where I doubted the existence of God but I did question his faithfulness. Can you relate? Have you ever questioned why God does miracles for some and not for others? Have you ever wondered, like, why not me? Is it something that I'm doing? Or is it something that I'm not doing? Have you ever thought, maybe that's for others, but it's, it's not for me? You see, I, I had unknowingly slipped into a faith on an outcome versus a faith in God. Wow. Hebrews 11 became the place that I, I went in that moment because I realized that I was wavering in my faith. Felt like I didn't have enough faith. I was questioning my faith. And because I grew up in the church, I was really familiar with the fact that in the Bible, there's a chapter known as the faith chapter. And it describes all of the great men and women of God who are known for their faith. And so I thought, I need to figure this out. And so I dove into reading and studying Hebrews chapter 11. And as I began to read, I was reading about these great men and women of faith and their stories. And I got to verse 13 and it says, Says this, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised. What? These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on this earth. This awareness of the scripture began to make sense to me that these great men and women of faith, they never actually saw the promise fulfilled in their lifetime, but they realized that life is so much more than the temporal and what we see right here and now. Life is about a big picture of eternity, and they're known for their faith because they were able to respond in this way. And God whispered to my heart in that moment, Megan, faith is not about the destination. It's about the journey. Faith is about choosing to walk hand in hand with Jesus, trusting him day by day, and understanding that this life we live is temporary, but heaven, heaven is eternal. And whether we see the promises of God fulfilled here on earth or we watch from heaven, God is still faithful. God is still faithful. And our belief, remember the word for belief is faith. Our belief in God offers us this promise of eternity. And the Bible calls that, that we have this hope as the anchor of our soul. You know, if you've been at the Movement Church for any amount of time, last summer we walked through a, a study called Grown Up Faith, where we just tried to, to pick apart and talk through what faith is. And, and so as I was reflecting back on that, I thought this is really relevant to today. You need to understand that we've got a God in heaven 
the creator of the universe. And from the very beginning, he created it all. He said, let there be light, and there was light. He said, let there be darkness, and there was darkness. He created the ocean. He created the land. He created the animals that would walk upon the land. And then do you know who God created? He created man, and he created woman. And it says in Genesis that he walked in the garden with them, that he had relationship with them because that's what God desires. But because God is love, and love requires choice, God gave us as humans free will. We broke down in grown-up faith that because of that free will, we chose sin. Sin is simply the fact that we call harmless what God calls poisonous, and it begins to taint our life. And the Bible tells us in Romans 3 that every single one of us has sinned, all of us. None of us has got this figured out. We, we have all messed up. It says in Romans 3, we've all sinned, but it also says that sin separates us from God because God is holy and he can't have anything to do with sin. But the problem is he desires relationship with his people, with you and with me. And so he had to send a solution. The Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there's no remission for sin. So God's solution was to send his only son, Jesus to pay the price and the penalty for our sin and give his life on the cross. And then the Bible tells us that if we confess with our mouth and believe faith in our heart that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So I want to give you a picture of this. Essentially, this blue tarp is the sea of trouble, the sea of sin, the sea of heartache and loss and pain and regret and shame, and we are drowning we are drowning in this sea of sin and shame, but God, because he desires relationship with us, sent to us the life preserver, who is Jesus. And Jesus paid the price for our sin. And when we, in our drowning state, choose to believe and confess, to act, we believe and we act, we receive the free gift of salvation. We reach out, we take a hold of this life preserver, and we are saved from drowning. Jesus is the lifesaver. There's a scripture in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, and it says this, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with Christ through our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, we've been justified by faith, which means that we recognize that Jesus is the life preserver. We reach out and we grab a hold of it. We choose to believe and we become justified by faith. Justified means this, just as if I've never sinned. I'm saved from drowning. I can experience the peace of God because I am saved. But the scripture continues on and it says this, through him, we've also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. So because of the life preserver that is Jesus, we have all, when we choose to take a hold of it and choose to believe, we've received access by faith into the lifeboat, this grace in which we stand. And listen to me, church, grace is unmerited favor. There's nothing you could do to deserve it. You can't live your life good enough to deserve the grace of God. Grace is unmerited favor, and we receive access to it by faith 
into the lifeboat. And we rejoice in the hope and the glory of God. But the scripture doesn't stop there. And I need you to catch this part. It says this in verse 3. Not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering. Knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I love that that scripture paints this picture of God in heaven who desires relationship with us, his kids, his people, and he extends the life preserver, that is Jesus. We choose to believe and we have peace with God and then we have access by faith into the grace of God. But I love that that scripture doesn't stop there and it talks about rejoicing in our suffering because the one thing I know about this lifeboat is that this lifeboat does not promise that you will not be drenched by the waves. This lifeboat does not promise that you will not be cold. It doesn't promise that you will not be hungry. It doesn't promise that you will not be tired. No, it just promises that it will carry you through. If you're going to clap, you need to clap. (laughs) It just promises that it will carry you through. If you think that faith in God is about having everything that you ever wanted or asked for, you're mistaken. Faith in God is belief that he exists, that he gave everything to save you because you were drowning. He offers you a firm place to stand and a promise that he is with you and you are not alone. This is faith. You know, there's a man in the Bible and his name was Job. Maybe you're familiar with Job. I love how the scripture describes him. It says, there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was blameless and upright. One who feared God and he turned away from evil. You need to know this guy, he was successful. He was successful before God and he was successful before man. In fact, if you were to look at him today, you would say this guy, he was like a a real estate and agricultural mogul. Like he had it all. He was considered one of the wealthiest men in the land. So he had the wealth, he had the power, he had the influence, he had the family, yet the scripture tells us he was righteous. And in the book of Job, we see this interesting conversation take place between God and Satan. And God says to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is none like him. God was so proud of this man. And Satan said, hmm, yeah, but watch this. He'll give up on his faith. And in one day, Job faced devastation. In one day, Job lost all of his possessions and all of his children to bandits in a storm. He was on the top of the mountain one day and in the depth of the valley the next. But yet Job remained faithful. In fact, the scripture says that Job replied, God gives and God takes away. You see, Job's faith was in God. But then it hit hard. Then everything began to fall apart and unravel. And his 
His health was hit physically, and it says in the Bible that Job was covered with boils from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet, and he was in this place of utter despair. The Bible says he was sitting on a pile of ashes, scraping at the boils on his skin, just trying to alleviate the pain. Have you ever been in a place where you just feel like giving up? where you feel so overwhelmed by the current circumstances, the things that you're up against, and you just feel like all hope is gone, and you just don't know what to do, but you want to do whatever it takes to deal with and to get out of the pain, and he's in this place where he just can't take it anymore. And in chapter 2, verse 9, it says this, that his wife then comes and says to him, do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. But he says to her, you speak as one of the foolish women would speak. Now let's pause. Men, what I do not want you to take away from today's message is that you should go home and use the same language as Job. Not a good idea, okay? But this is where Job is at. He says, you speak as one of the foolish women speak. Shall we receive good from God and shall we not receive evil? And in all of this, Job did not sin with his lips. The Listen to Me Movement Church, this is only chapter two. There's 36 more chapters before anything changes. And for 36 more chapters, we begin to see the anguish, the pain, the loss, the waiting, the hoping, the discouragement, I don't know what to do. Job's friends come, and at first they try to encourage him, but then even his friends turn on him, and even his friends start to question him, and they say, maybe God's not answering you because you did something wrong. Maybe there's sin in your life. Maybe maybe you should just curse God and die. You see, I think in moments when we're facing overwhelming circumstances, we better be careful who we allow to speak into our life. That's why we do connect groups. That's why we're challenging you to find a connect group and get surrounded by a group of people who's actually gonna encourage you and challenge you and speak the truth of God's word over you because Job's friends, they, they were not very helpful. And Job finally gets to this place. It says that he despises the day that he was born. You see, he's in the lifeboat of God's grace, hit by wave after wave after wave, tired, in pain, desperate to be done with the circumstances he was facing. He despises the day he was born and he longs for death and he longs for relief. And it says that in this moment, he begins to question God. And maybe you relate to Job in some way. Because isn't that what we do? When the pain is great enough and the struggle is real enough, doubt and discouragement tend to set in and we respond by questioning God. And what's really difficult is there's no real answers to the why question here. I don't know if I will ever understand why Job had to suffer as he did. Maybe one day in heaven, but even then, will it matter? 
You see, I think so many of us, we say yes in faith to who Jesus is and we receive access into his grace, unmerited favor. But I think when the storms come and they finally get to a place where we feel like we can't take it anymore, so many of us respond in a way where we go, thank you, Jesus, for saving me, but I don't really feel like I'm getting anywhere, so I'll take it from here. And we jump out and we start swimming, just hoping to get to land, stepping out of this grace because heart. But God speaks up in this moment for Job, in the middle of his questioning, in the middle of the chapters and chapters of his complaining and and his misery, and God speaks up. I don't know how many of you are parents, but have you ever just had to speak up and speak loudly when your child was having a meltdown, just to get them to kind of like snap out of it for a minute? I have two girls lots of estrogen in my house, lots of emotion and drama. And every once in a while when the world is falling apart and all things are hopeless, I have to like slap my hands together and talk loudly to remind them that things are going to be okay. And I kind of feel like that's what God does in this moment. He knows what Job needs. And so he comes in and responds with correction that only a father can bring. Says this, then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. He said this, who is this that darkens counsel without words of knowledge? Dress for action like a man. I will question you and you make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched out the line upon it? Ouch. Correction doesn't always feel good, does it? It's not always a feel-good message that makes me feel like things are all good. Sometimes correction hurts a little. God continues to respond to Job for two chapters, and he says this, Have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place? Is it by your understanding that the hawk soars and spreads its wings towards the south? Is it at your command that the eagle mounts up and makes his nest on high? And Job has a moment here where he replies and he's like, behold, I'm of small account. I've spoken once. I will not answer again. And then God continues for two more chapters, two more chapters. He says this, will you even put me in the wrong? Will you condemn me that you would be right? You see, when we don't experience the outcome that we want, doubt, fear, discouragement can often cause our faith to waver. And then we shift our focus to God and presume that it's him who's not faithful. After this, God essentially for two more chapters says to Job this, I created you. I have purpose for you. I haven't left you and I'm still working. And Job answers the Lord in chapter 42, I know that you can do all things, that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Job is a good man, a righteous man faced with overwhelming odds and 
overwhelming circumstances, in pain and in misery. And in this moment, he realizes, oh, I'd heard of God. I thought I knew who he was, but now I see you. Your omnipotence. He recognizes this God who made all of creation, who controls time from beginning to end, who has every answer to every question that would ever be asked. He recognizes God's might and his power, and he recognizes his own smallness in the big picture. You see, somewhere in the struggle, I think Job had let his faith slip into a focus on the outcome versus a focus on God. I think somewhere in the journey, somewhere in the journey, he'd gotten his eyes off the Creator, off the Savior, and onto his current circumstances. And listen to me, Movement Church, as the band is joining me. This is easy for us to do, all of us. All of us slip into this, and then do you know what happens? Then we feel like our faith has failed. But it hasn't failed. It's just been misdirected. It's been looking at the wrong thing. Isaiah 26.3 tells us that when we fix our eyes on Jesus, he will keep us at perfect peace. Listen to me. We've got to take our eyes and our faith off of the outcome that we think should be happening and place them on Jesus. We all want to be authors of our own story. Every single one of us, we're results driven and we hear and we receive information in a way that's gonna make us feel good and comfortable. But perhaps God is challenging your focus today. You see, I think we think faith is a bridge to our answers, but faith is a journey with Jesus. You know, when my dad was sick, I knew that God was capable of healing him miraculously. I believe what the Bible says, and I still do. I just planned how God would do it. And when I didn't get what I thought, I questioned God's promises. Hindsight's always 2020. I look back 13 years ago, and I realized that one of the promises God whispered to my heart that Brooklyn would be a source of healing to my dad I look back and I go, it was. Brooklyn brought joy in the midst of crazy circumstances. In the middle of pain, my mom and dad were able to smile and find joy. She was a source of healing. Last year, I stood on a platform in Ireland and I preached a message called Joy in Suffering. And I told the story of losing my dad and choosing joy. And God reminded me of the promise that one day we would tell the story of God's miraculous working power around the world. You see, faith alone is the miraculous story. Choosing to walk with Jesus in the middle of pain is the miraculous story. Choosing to trust Jesus day by day is the miraculous story. This is faith. This is faith. 
choosing to believe and choosing to act. So let me leave you with a thought today. There's an old English poem. And whatever you might be facing, maybe you could listen to these words. It says, many a questioning, many a fear, many a doubt hath its quieting here. Moment by moment, let down from heaven, time, opportunity, guidance are given. Fear not tomorrow's child of the king. Trust them with Jesus. Do the next thing. Do it immediately. Do it with prayer. Do it reliantly, casting all care. Do it with reverence, tracing his hand who placed it before thee with earnest command. Stayed on omnipotence, safe neath his wing. Leave all resulting, do the next thing. Leave all resulting, do the next thing. What if today we could take our eyes off of the result and off of the outcome and off of the well-made plan that we think we have and how we think God should or will act and just place our eyes on Jesus and say, God, I choose faith. I choose to believe and I choose to act. What's the next thing for you? Maybe it's simply choosing to trust him. Maybe for you, the next thing is seeking some medical advice. Maybe for you, the next thing is filling out an application. Maybe for you, the next thing is beginning to save for the down payment. Maybe the next thing is a hard conversation that needs to be had. Leave all resulting, do the next thing. What is God asking of you today? I just wanna encourage you to lean into him, to realize that faith is just choosing to believe and choosing to act, walking with Jesus day by day. And some of you are here and you are in desperate situations and you are leaning into God and trusting him for a miracle. And I believe he is a miracle working God and he is acting on your behalf. So I just wanna pray a prayer of faith for you right now, believing that God is gonna do what I know he can do. So God, I lift up every person in this room right now that is desperately believing God for a miracle. God, for every person in this room who's experienced loss or pain, who's walking through the middle of heartache right now, God, in the name of Jesus, God, I pray you would stir up our faith to believe. God, that our eyes wouldn't be fixed on the outcome, but our eyes would be fixed on you. Trusting, God, that you have our miracle in your hands. God, that you are the author and fulfiller of all of your promises. God, that you are acting on our behalf. So God, I pray you would stir up our faith to believe. And God, give us the wisdom to act. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Now listen, there may be some of you in this room and your next thing is simply choosing to believe. It's simply choosing faith. All of us have been in the sea of sin and shame and regret and all of us have been drowning. But yet Jesus wants a relationship with you. 
and the life preserver is extended. And all we have to do is choose to believe that God is who he says he is. We confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, that's faith. And some of you have never made that decision and I believe today is that day, that's why you're here. And maybe you're here and, and you have made a decision like that before, but if you were honest, you, you've been running from God. You've been trying to do things your own way and maybe today is just a come, day to come back and recommit your life to Him. And I'd like to pray a prayer and I'm gonna invite you to pray with me. I'm not gonna ask you to get out of your seat or pray out loud. But if that's you and you need to make a decision of faith today, I'm just gonna ask that in the stillness and quietness of your own heart that you pray this prayer with me. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes and simply say, dear God, I know that you're real. I know that you love me. I know that you chose me. I know that you have purpose for me. Today, I am choosing to follow you. And all around this room, if that's you, just let these words be the cry of your heart. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Please email us at info at theocmovement.com. And if you were not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Please send us an email at info at theocmovement.com. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church.